There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, November 7th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 489 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Dream Logic, Miss Julian Semphilis, Marcus Kyler, Space Tacos, Ape Lincoln, John Wayne, Dan Reschke, Sharice Lamb, Jason Anderson, Slava, Stephanie, Sharice, Mods, Eric Taylor, BSEC, Jesse Johnson, so many of you, including Toasty Pops, Rob Moss, Centphilus, the real Bilbo. We're all squad members. Holler. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. I'll be eating up in here. And we're going to be having a good time ripping through the top cyber news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So if you're looking to break into, well, if you were working in the industry, you can use this information to deliver cyber risk reductions to your organization stakeholders if you're looking to break into the industry. Spoiler alert, it's a grind. <laughs> it's a grind to get in. It's a grind when you're here. But if you love it, it's not a big deal. Uh, but you will be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current in the industry? And the Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast is a phenomenal answer. Plus, all of the networking over here, look at all these amazing people. Jason Badwell, Matt McDaniel, Mark Lauterbach. Michelle Crick. It's so good. Just get in here, pile in. It's going to be all about good times. I will be going over the top stories. I have not looked at these stories in advance. I've done no research or prep. So you'll be getting my honest reaction and thoughts on those stories. Hey, Alana Boyajian. Yeah, there might be something tomorrow. Maybe we'll touch on that uh, if there's an opportunity. Uh, we'll slide that in. I've got a lot of you know big updates for everybody uh, to share with the community. So it's going to be a good time. Just Let's get through the top news. It is uh, Tuesday, so I am teaching at the Citadel, so there will be no jawjacking in the end, but that's okay. Hey, before we get into the top cyber news stories of the day, allow me to share with you a little bit of love on the stream sponsors. Shout out to Barricade Cyber Solutions. They're dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks. Good morning, Kimberly. Kimberly, and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But guess what, y'all? Guess what? I'll give you a hint. Catch me outside. How about that? Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to catch the threat actors outside. How about that? They can mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Also, much love to 
Panopsi Security, another uh, stream sponsor who I greatly appreciate, and I am on their board of advisors as well. Get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals. Panopsi Security can come in and basically help you stand up or mature your current information security program. Why would you want to do that? We've got things working out okay. Well, likely if you are ad hoc or reactive in your information security program, you're probably exposed to additional risks that you don't necessarily need to be exposed to. So you can have a fractional VC. So come in, help you get straightened out. It's no, it's no dig on your capabilities. Guys, sometimes you could be the best cybersecurity professional in the world and you just don't have time to do all the things. Panopsi Security can be that force multiplier for you. So giddy up on that. Thanks, Dub CLU. First of all, love the blue badging, Dub CLU. Second of all, any chance I get to throw that sound effect in, I absolutely love doing that. Also, anti-siphon training, but more about them at the mid-roll. Do love what they're doing over there. Uh, links in the description, but we'll talk about them in a hot minute. Guys, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. If you don't know what CPEs are, I think exclamation point CPE will explain it. But don't, don't worry about it. If you hold a cybersecurity certification, you know what CPEs are because that's what they're used for. They're used to maintain your cybersecurity certifications. Each episode's worth half a CPE. So just take a screenshot of you talking in chat. Hashtag team live if you're live with us right now. Let us know if you're live with us, DreamLogic Nelson Yee. Let's call out all the bots. If you're not a bot, hashtag team live in chat. Let's see what's up with that. If you're watching on replay, it counts, y'all. Hashtag team replay in chat. Shout out Chris Weaver for doing the time markers. Definitely appreciate that. Ben Howard, I am absolutely using a stream deck. I got the stream deck XL. Uh, we spared no expense. It's the Jurassic Park of 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 uh, podcasts up here. It's just audio issues are also huge. All right, guys. Um, if you are, um, yeah, Team Live, I see you all. Yes, Ape Lincoln, Team Live AF. Finally, and you might get caught in the, the current of the Team Live folks here. If today is your first episode, somehow, today is the day you found us, episode 489. Let us know in chat, hashtag first timer. We got a special sound effect for you. The squad's got special emotes for you. Hashtag first timer if it's your first time in chat. Look at all those team lives coming in strong. Love it, love it, love it. And to the individual who commented on my uh, Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast uh, last week who does not like the sound effects and actually said some really mean things in comments, um, you're probably not here. I did offer an alternative podcast for that individual to consume. But if you're here, we're going to sound effect the crap out of this stream. All right. Get a little get a little vanilla bean chapsticky on me. All right, guys. Real quick, uh, just a reminder for everybody, it is Tidbits Tuesday, so I will share a little, little known fact about me. Um, I am a peculiar individual, so today's Tidbits Tuesday is probably going to be one of the more interesting ones for everybody. We got a first timer. Chai Town, what's up, bro? Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. That's right. Um, really quick, Simply CyberCon is going on all week. Uh, I'll drop a link in chat. Don't forget, tomorrow is the is the big day with um, the two track talks. We had a workshop yesterday. Charles Finfrock, OSINT. Um, today we have Mike Miller, LinkedIn profile uh, revamping, and Friday we've got Jack Scott. If you did not catch. Charles Finfrock's OSINT webinar. Um, 
you're not going to be able to catch it. I had to pull it down um, because Charles frayed. I mean, he was doing a live active investigation with chat and he frayed into dangerous murky waters that uh, I just, I could not expose simply cyber to. And I used the word expose quite deliberately, I might add. Uh, so if you were there, you were there and you know what's up. And uh, if you weren't, then, you know, I guess maybe next time, y'all. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Let's get into the work here. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I will see you at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. These are the Cybersecurity Headlines for Tuesday, November 7th, 2023. I'm Steve Prentice. Android Dropper as a Service Bypasses Google Defenses. Named Secured Dropper by researchers at Threat Fabric, this Android malware appears able to bypass the restricted settings security measure of Android 13 by disguising itself as an app. One example has the name com.appd.install.load. The researchers described its sophistication by saying, quote, unlike its predecessors, this family uses a different Android API to install the new payload, mimicking the process used by marketplaces to install new applications, end quote. This is followed up by a message to human users to click on a reinstall button, pretending that it needs to correct an installation error. When reached for comment by the Hacker News, Google stated, quote, Restricted settings add an extra layer of protection on top of the user confirmation that is required for apps to access Android settings and permissions, and Android users are always in control of which permissions they grant to an app and are also protected by Google Play Protect, end quote. All right, so a couple things here. Obviously, um, Android is, uh, you know, APKs, Android... They give you more capabilities and more features uh, to, you know, own and control your device. But at the same time, uh, you know, and really quickly, I, I've this is something for this is something for everybody to take away. I do say this from time to time. So if you've heard it, I'm sorry. But think about this. Think about a straight line. OK. And on one side, you have security and on one side, you have usability. And there's a slider. Right. It's just a it's a linear slider. The more secure you have something, the less usable it is. And the more usable you have something, the less secure it is. That's just a fact. And obviously our job, me and Alana Boyajian and the GRC people in the world, we're trying to help the business and the InfoSec office figure out where that slider goes. Okay, so if you, if you throw a computer in a vault and then throw it in the ocean, and no one can get to it, it's super secure, but nobody can use it, so it's stupid. If you open all the permissions, and make it free to the world and just YOLO everything. And no problem. The business can use it. Everyone can use it. You get it. You get data. You get data. But it's not secure whatsoever, right? So these are the two extremes. So with Android, you know, it's more usable but less secure. And with iPhone, it's more secure but less usable in, in the context of controlling and, and manipulating and, and, and tinkering under the hood, okay? So just so we understand that. Now, What's really interesting, and I would take this away as a practitioner to be mindful of, but really, if you brought this up in a job interview, I would be like, hey, like pretty cool. A dropper, in the world of malware and payloads, it's not just like one piece of malware and it does everything. There's stages, okay? There's, 
There's, you know, uh, droppers like this one, which is kind of an initial initial kind of foothold onto a system, in this case, an Android phone. Then the dropper will reach out and grab additional payloads, which then can do like system compromise, privilege escalation. Then once you have, you know, compromise, then you go down for post-exploitation and then you start establishing persistence and, and lateral movement and stuff like stuff like that. So this is interesting because the dropper is the initial infection and Android has these additional protections in place to avoid malware from being loaded on the system. But this dropper does what everything it can to look like a regular application. It installs itself. It uses the right install processes. It doesn't do anything malicious. Once it's installed on the phone, then it tricks the end user. So social engineering into thinking that it needs to be reinstalled. I mean, it needs to do like a reinstallation of a module or something because it broke or it didn't work. And when you do that, that's when you uplift it to go and pull down additional payloads and crap like that. Now, you can't block it at the network layer because they're probably using some type of like OneDrive or Google Drive or Dropbox. You know, like these these uh, cloud-based drive, um, these cloud-based um, file shares that you're not going to block or they're using compromised infrastructure. So it looks legit. So you're not going to get around this. Um, be mindful. The, the interesting thing is um, it says it bypassed Google's defenses. Okay. But it doesn't talk about it being in the play store, which means you'd have to trick somebody into installing a random APK or Android um, application from the internet or wherever onto their device. This is not through the Google Play Store as near as I can tell. Um, yeah. So there are protections in place. Just, you know, best practice, tell Carl. Don't, don't download stupid stuff from the internet. Tell your kids. Uh, I feel like young people are more likely to install random stuff just for like free skins. I had, a, I had to have a stern discussion with my oldest last night because... He was going to get like a free whatever if he went to some link that somebody on a Discord, um, somebody in uh, Roblox was telling him to go to. And I'm like, it's fake. You can't go to that website. You're not going to get anything. And he was really bummed out. He's like, I really want the free thing. I'm like, it doesn't exist. Like you're you're getting upset about something that never existed. You know what I mean? So I hate hate to be that guy. But this this is very cool from a threat actor perspective. However, the initial infection does require you to trick someone into installing it. Finally, I would say this is another great example of threat actors evolving, pivoting, hat tip to the threat actors. They do great work. And if you think about it for a second, if you're a threat actor, this is how you make money. Again, it's completely deplorable that they're victimizing um, people like you know me and you and my Aunt Dorothea, but this is how they make money. This is how they feed their kids. And if we stop them from their current approach of whatever they're doing to attack us, they're going to pivot because it's important for them to, you know, be successful. Okay. So that's why they pivot all the time. That's why we have jobs, by the way, because <laughs> they're busy bees, busy bees. Increase in zero day exploits worries CISA. Michael Duffy, Associate Director for Capacity Building within CISA's Cybersecurity Division, speaking at a cybersecurity governance conference in Hershey, Pennsylvania, described the increase as, quote, really high, end quote, and which has affected networks throughout the federal government. Despite an overall decline in in-the-wild zero days, the number of exploits is the second highest in almost a decade. 
Duffy also stated that ransomware increased DDoS activity is also causing disruption within the federal government. Google Cal. Okay, well, first of all, it is a CISA, so let's give Jen Easterly some love. Yep. All right, so check it out. Um, increase in zero day exploits. We, um, CISA does track. CISA allows uh, businesses to voluntarily disclose when they've been compromised anonymously. So you're not, you know, basically blowing them up. But the telemetry and Intel allows CISA as kind of a coordinated centralized repo to have visibility and be able to focus energy and resources into areas that are flaring up, right? Think about threat actors is like, you know, a, like the gout, okay? Occasionally there's flare ups. And if you don't know what's flaring up, you don't know which like medicine or ointment or whatever to put on, um, you know what I mean? So ha by having CISA as kind of a centralized repo, it's good. Now they're seeing an increase in zero day exploitation. I love CISA, I, I love CISA, okay? But I'm I'm gonna be real, okay? Because it would be it would be disingenuous of me for not to say this. There probably is an increase in zero day exploitation, okay? I'm I'm not questioning the authenticity of that. What I will say is, just recently there was a push by uh, the Senate or Congress or whatever to cut CISA's budget by 25. percent So you know the uh, the old you know, if you think about a business, okay, if your information security budget was going to get cut by 25%, fear, uncertainty, doubt, FUD, as it's called, it's not a tool that we as information security professionals like to use. Um, but I'm just saying this, th this is true, I'm sure, but it's also a FUD uh, mechanism in order to demonstrate why cutting CISA's budget by 25% would be really bad idea. Okay. So Maybe it's just coincidence. Maybe, maybe, but it, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Um, let's see. Uh, can you remind Jerry to create a video on cyber and parenting? I recall. Yes, Jeffrey. I, 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 I will definitely remind me. I appreciate that. Um, Jeffrey, I'm just so busy right now. Um, maybe in December when I, when I take, when I'm, when I, when I take time off, I'll, I'll have time to work. Um, so um, you know, whatever, a high crease in zero day activity, like dude, zero day, if you didn't know, a zero day is basically a, a vulnerability that doesn't have a patch available. Uh, so there's zero days to, to, to respond to it. Um, when you have increase in zero day exploitation that we don't know if that means, you know, Billy Bob's GitHub repo app is getting exploited or it's like, you know, Citrix hypervisors or, um, or, oh my God. Like Citrix web gateways, or I don't even think I. Why did I say Citrix hypervisor? That doesn't even mean, like um, uh, or you know, Exchange, right? Like this doesn't indicate impact. Okay, this is just likelihood is increased, but impact we'd have to dig a little bit deeper into the details here to um understand whether or not you know how bad this really is. But just know that there's an increase in activity. No surprise, threat actors are going to threat act as a command and control infrastructure. Google itself has issued a warning regarding, quote, multiple threat actors sharing a public proof of concept exploit named Google Calendar Rat that relies on calendar service to host command and control infrastructure, end quote. Developed by Red Teaming Activities, the description of the proof of concept published on GitHub says that only a Gmail account is required.
Quote, the script creates a covert channel by exploiting the event descriptions in Google Calendar. The target will connect directly to Google, end quote. Google has not seen use of this GCR in the wild so far, although, quote, Mandiant has seen multiple actors sharing the public proof of concept on underground forums, end quote. All right. Um, so I'm not sure this GCR thing. Uh, shout out that it's kind of like GRC. Shout out to the infographic. Um, so the deal is that the threat actors are using Google Calendar. Oh, this is a full on. Um, OK, so this makes more sense. OK. So this makes more sense. Okay, so there is a, a rat, a remote access Trojan that gets installed onto a victim machine. So for this to work, the victim already has to be compromised. Okay, so first of all, that's what's happening. Second of all, pretty cool uh, using a calendar as a C2 infrastructure. Again, remember, C2 is command and control. Once, once a victim is compromised, right? So like your laptop, right? Once your laptop is compromised by a threat actor, right? You're still able to go online, open Gmail. You're still able to like log into a, a Teams call, but a threat actor has access to your box. Once they have access, then they can do other things. But how do they do that? Especially if they control 50 laptops or 2000 desktops or, you know, whatever. They use command and control. Now your box, your compromised asset, the target, uh, beige square here reaches out to um the c2 infrastructure to see if there's any updates now like in the in this graphic right here just really quickly in this graphic do you see how step three says retrieving the command um technically um yeah see two step two it goes and pulls google calendar step three it says retrieving the command but really google calendar is like pushing the command to it and then four is executing the command. So they basically are using, the reason that using Google Calendar is interesting is because no one's gonna block Google Calendar. Google Calendar seems completely benign. So it's it's not a big deal. Um, meaning it not it's, it is a big deal, but people are not, like businesses and organizations aren't gonna be able to block it because it's gonna hide in the noise of looking legitimate, right? So this is interesting. Just know that this asset needs to be compromised first. If I was, um, if it was my environment, what I would do is look for IOCs for this GCR application. Um, let's see really quickly. Oh, they have a nice little proof, uh, proof of concept. Let me see if there's IOCs in here. No, there isn't. What you need to do, what here's what I would suggest. What I would do is you can't, here's the deal. You can't look at network traffic because all you're going to see is traffic going to Google, which is going to look fine because everybody's going to Google all over the place. So you can't look for that. What you need to do is look at um, the the uh, indicators of compromise or what the executables look like or what binary, like what, what processes this thing spins up on the victim machines. It does say that it, See, Windows, Linux, Apple, so it doesn't even matter. I mean, according to this, it can run on anything. That's TBD, honestly. I don't know if that's true. Um, if you are interested, again, if you had time, I don't have time for this, but if you, it is it is like a Trojan, yeah. Uh, it, in fact, it's a remote access Trojan. Uh, what I would suggest here, by the way, shout out. What's up, Frank? It was good to see you at um, 
besides Charleston. Here's what I would say. If you wanted to, if you were so motivated, you could download this from GitHub, okay? And you could set up a lab and you could complete this for yourself, okay? Now, uh, BSEC is saying you could look for hashes. Sure, um, you absolutely could look for hashes. I mean, that's the lowest of the low for indicators of compromise, but it is something. It's better than nothing. What what I would recommend, and again, this is not what I'm about to tell you is the right way to do it, but it's not easy. Okay, what you could do is install this in a lab, run it, look at what's happening, then develop detections in your EDR solution and platform to detect this happening. Okay, it's it's work, right? You'd have to execute it, identify what's happening, then write detections and then push it. Now you might be able to find detections that someone else has written um, and use something like Sigma to port it port it around and stuff like that. But uh, this is interesting. I like, personally, I like the idea of Google Calendar as a C2. Just, I think it's cool. Uh, we're gonna have Mike Saunders from Red Sea, John, to Simply Cyber Live in a couple of weeks. It'd be interesting to get his thoughts on this as well. I might take a note to do that. QNAP fixes two critical vulnerabilities. Tracked as oh yeah, that's a good point. Uh, BSEC says you could use any run to get the IOCs too, which is 100% true. I love any run. The E2023-23368 and 23369, the vulnerabilities affect the QTS operating system and applications on its NAS storage devices. The first of these vulnerabilities carries a CVSS score of 9.8 and the second 9.0, and both could be exploited by a remote attacker to execute commands. Network admins are, of course, urged to address both vulnerabilities. Ah, you gotta patch it. All right. <laughs> All right. QNAP back in the news. Uh, fun fact, just throwing it back to yesteryear. If you've been a regular of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, there was like a, um, a string of, of uh, time back, like, you know, like around episode 100s, um, where QNAP was in the news every day and we would just abuse it. Uh, it hasn't been in the news for a while, but don't worry. QNAP has reared its ugly face up in here again. Uh, the QTS OS, which I guess is their, you know, their, you know, localized um, stripped down Linux version for their IoT devices, has two critical vulns. Um, one's a command injection, and the other one I don't know what it is, but 9.8 basically indicates, as we all know, that it's vulnerable to really bad, really bad, probably very easy to compromise, but not actively being exploited. Um, I'm trying to see here. Uh, remote attacker executes command via network. Yep. Usually 9.8 is remote code execution or really, really nasty business. Um, here's the deal. Again, this is a stand like this is a standard practice. You can go on Shodan, and if you have the right uh, query, you can find all these vulnerable QNAP devices, which is why it's imperative that you find yours and patch it. You got to patch it. Ah, you got to patch it. Right? And I know patching, sometimes you can't patch, right? But if, if you can't patch these devices, then you need to take them off external facing internet. Like, like you can't, you can't be like, ah, my risk appetite allows me to, uh, to have this not patched and facing the internet because you're going to get you're going to get pwned you're going to get pwned okay it's just a matter of time until uh, the exploit gets published and socialized and then a metasploit module filled out so uh definitely want to take advantage of that 
QNAP, you know, known for their issues, but whatevs. I'm not even going to spend more time on this one. And now a word from our sponsor, Offsec. Offsec, formerly Offensive Security, the cyber training company behind the well-known OSCP <laughs> certification and Kali Linux distro, is running a virtual summit for CISOs and cybersecurity leaders called Evolve on November 15th. Attend Evolve and get insider insights from a former bank hacker. Discover strategies on stretching your security budget and get tips to attract the creme de la creme of talent. It's more than just an event. It's a masterclass helping you elevate your cybersecurity leadership game. Hear from forward-thinking cybersecurity leaders from companies like Cisco, Amazon, Salesforce, and more. Register today and get the insights you need to help shape the future of your company's security. Sign up now at offsec.com slash evolve. That's O-F-F-S-E-C dot com slash evolve. All right. Hey, what's up? All right, guys, we've reached the mid-roll two minutes early, but that's okay. Shout out to everybody who's here. What's up? It's great to see you. We're, we're, we're at 345. You were here yesterday. Thanks for being part of the James McQuiggan A-hole, B-hole share uh, show. And uh, a new record. We topped out at 403 members during the live stream yesterday. So congratulations very much. Jeff, definitely appreciate it. Uh, I'm just always impressed how amazing you all are. If you're getting value from the stream, whether it's entertainment value or educational value or a little bit of both, go ahead and hit the like button. It goes a long way to help other people find us. Rick Baird, first time T Live. Uh, we'll, we'll give that a welcome to the party, pal. Team Live. Let's give you a little uh, Bruce, Bruce Willis action. Um, guys, um, shout out to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, and Anti-Siphon Training. I wanted to tell you for a quick minute, Anti-Siphon Training is disrupting the traditional training industry by providing high-quality cybersecurity education with no regard to financial position. You can take their training, which is fantastic, and not worry about being uh, gated by not having basically funds to finance that education. The teachers are excellent. The content is amazing. Go in the link in the description below for anti-siphon training. Go to training. Go to pay what you can training. You're welcome, Myron. And uh, excuse me. Go to training. Go to excuse me. Training. Pay what you can training. And then look at their upcoming pay what you can courses. And there you go. <coughs> Check it out. Keep, you should keep this as a hot button um, um, on your um, on your bookmarks because they're always updating. It's always amazing. I love it. All right, we got a couple first timers here: Abdullah and Jake Wooley. Excuse me. We'll give you your proper welcome. Welcome to the party, pal. Once the <clears throat> once the song stops, we got the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Tarn Ferk. Drop their uh, Simply Cyber Community Challenge on LinkedIn yesterday. Uh, Tarn, if you're in chat, would love to see you. All right, I don't see Tarn in chat, but guys, here's the deal. We talk about it every day. If you would like to supercharge your LinkedIn experience, basically hack LinkedIn so you have a rich, robust, supportive cybersecurity professional network, do the following. <coughs> 
go on LinkedIn, search for this hashtag, Simply Cyber Community Challenge, and connect with the people posting and comment on their posts. Connect with the people posting, connect with the people in comments, comment on their posts. Other people will connect with you because you commented on their posts. You will connect with the people who are posting and in the comments. In two weeks' time, your LinkedIn network will explode and it will be um, rich, meaningful connections, not just random people on the internet, not random bots, not stupid stuff. And your feed will be cyber-focused. So if that's what you want from LinkedIn, if you want to build a professional network, by the way, professional networking is so, so valuable. Definitely take advantage of that, okay? Now, Tarn has got the uh, Simply Cyber um, baton right now. They're not in ch- Oh, there is chat. Hey, Tarn, Preet, Burk. Uh, good to see you, Tarn. Go ahead and tag somebody and pass the baton. Thank you so much for participating in the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. All right, guys, it's Tidbits Tuesday. Every single Tuesday, I share a little personal little personal bit about me. Uh, sometimes it's really specific. Sometimes it's kind of generic. Let me share this with you guys, okay? So you may, some of you know, because it was an old Tidbits Tuesday. I, I don't wear socks, okay? Don't worry about it. It doesn't smell, okay? But what I do do is I wear these Adidas foam sandals all the time. I have like 25 pairs, okay? And basically, once a year, I go to the Adidas outlet. I buy like 10 pairs of of these sandals, and I basically shuffle around. Because I don't know about you guys, but wear shoes off in the house family, okay? So like when you enter my house, shoes off. But I don't like walking around barefoot. So I have um, sandals and, you know, I basically walk around. And then after like a couple months when they get a little worn, chuck them. Actually, I rotate them. So I have outdoor sandals, indoor sandals, studio sandals, garage sandals. So I've got I've got (laughs) I've got footwear in places, but I rotate them and chuck the old ones out. So that's what's up with me. A little bit about me, a little bit about my neurosis. All right. Love it. Love it. Love it. Let's keep rolling, y'all. Apache ActiveMQ RCE attacks now include Tell You the Pass ransomware. Following up on the ongoing Apache HQ story in which Apache patched the ActiveMQ vulnerability and in which hackers were attempting to deploy Hello (laughs) Kitty on vulnerable networks, Arctic Wolf Labs has revealed that this same 2023-46604 flaw is being used in attacks targeting Linux systems and pushing Tell You the Pass ransomware. The researchers noted many similarities between Hello Kitty and Tell You the Pass ransomware, sharing, quote, email address, infrastructure, as well as Bitcoin wallet addresses, end quote. According to Bleeping Computer, quote, Tell You the Pass ransomware has seen a massive and sudden spike in activity after Log4Shell proof of concept exploits were released online two years ago. All right. So really quickly, um, you know, I do the tidbits Tuesday. I don't know if it resonates with people or not. Did not expect the Adidas sandals uh, to be such a hot, hot topic. Uh, looks like there's a lot of people out there um, who, who uh, this resonates with. Uh, much love. Much love. Uh, <laughs> it's awesome. All right, y'all. Check it out. Uh, ransomware threat actor called Tell You the Pass. I hadn't heard of them before, but they're actively exploiting Apache ActiveMQ servers. Guys, like this shouldn't be a surprise. I literally, 
like, not that I'm some type of soothsayer or Nostradamus up here, but this story was in the news last week. And BSEC ran a show in where we found like 3,600 or 36,000 of these things. I told you to scan your external network, use Shodin Monitor, patch. You got to patch it. Ah, you got to patch it. And then, like, watch out because it's going to get exploited. Well, hello. Hello, future. Internet exposed devices are getting exploited and taken over by ransomware through remote code execution. Bro, this should come as a surprise to zero people. If you're not managing your infrastructure, what are you doing? Vulnerability management. Yes, I know. I know with vulnerability management, we get beat down, okay? And it's tough. But when it's when it's a 9-8, now a 10, because it's actively being exposed, if it's internet facing, if a Shodan query and a quick little double tap is all it takes, you're going to get punched in the mouth, okay? I feel for these organizations, but at the same time, not to say that like, they should have known or whatever, but like, okay, here's the deal. All right. This, this is exactly why you need to stay current on cybersecurity. Okay. Like I say it at the beginning, every day, like you got to like, if you're, if you're, uh, you know, we're going to go through the news and you can use this information of your practitioner to reduce cyber risk today or next quarter or whatever. I'm not just saying that to have an opening monologue. I'm telling you because this is why you need to stay current in the industry because when this pops, you have about five or six days before you're going to start getting slapped across the face and nobody wants to get slapped across the face. You can do something about it. You can get in front of it, but you need to know about it. You need awareness right? That's why the job is the job. You you don't like, yeah, we could take time off. We can rest and relax, but then you have to have, you know, somebody else there, right? You need uh, like defense in depth on the human resource side as well. This is why, because people who were not paying attention, people who were just chilling out with their feet kicked up are now ransomware. It sucks, man. Okay. And again, I understand some organizations are MSPs and they don't have InfoSec people and this got exposed or Carl, Carl stood up an Apache active MQ server because he's doing testing, right? There's a million different reasons. And by a million, I could think of probably 30 different reasons, really 30, why this can happen and, and, and expose you. But in reality, like Oh my God. Hey, GRC. Oh, GRC. Get out of here with your clipboard. Do you know what GRC does? Sets policy. Do you know what policy says? Don't stick stupid stuff on the internet. Okay. Without walking through some type of change control or getting approval. Oh, you're, you're, you're totally crushing my mellow, Jerry. How can I innovate if you're totally crushing my mellow? Do you know why I crush your mellow? Because when you stick an Apache Active MQ server on the internet and we get ransomware, you know what you don't have to deal with? The ransomware. I do. Do you know who has to explain to the lawyers and the CEO what the hell? Sorry, Kennedy. What the heck is going on? I do. So, Carl, I love, I love that you're doing innovative stuff, but maybe do it like on a separate network segment or in a lab or anywhere else except on our production network, bro. You're killing me. AI bot capable of insider trading and lying, say researchers. According to the BBC, quote, in a demonstration at the UK's AI safety summit, a bot used made-up insider information to make an illegal purchase of stocks without telling the firm. When asked if it had used insider trading, it denied the fact, end quote.
This demonstration was a project carried out by Apollo Research, an AI safety organization, and, quote, the demonstration was given by members of the government's Frontier AI Task Force, which researches the potential risks of AI, end quote. The demonstration was done in a sandboxed environment. In a subsequent video demonstrating how the experiment unfolded, the researchers stated, quote, this is a demonstration of a real AI model deceiving its users on its own without being instructed to do so. End quote. All right. Hold on one second. Um, I see the super chat. Give me one second. All right. So we got, so, all right. So this AI bot story, uh, interesting. I'm going to uh, rip through it in a second, but hold on. We got two super chats. I missed a super chat. Hold on. Where's this $20 super chat coming from? Hold on. I'm sorry if I missed the super chat. Doobie 1471. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, Doobie. I just completed your GRC course. I can't thank you enough for the material and community that you're creating. It is life-changing. Heck yeah. I am encouraged and feel like I can make the changes that I need to. Way to go, Doobie. You're welcome for the GRC course. Thank you for the super chat. And I'm super happy that you are finding value and having positive impact on your life. Absolutely awesome. Uh, also, James McQuiggan coming in hot from 35,000 feet. Where are you? And that's how the cyber criminals get away from the police. They ran somewhere. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks so much. Um, all right, let's go. AI bot. So here's the deal. This AI bot, um, they set it up in a way. Now, what's interesting is the AI bot lied, okay? So they shall we play a game? I don't know how I feel about this because basically they 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 primed this bot in every which way um to to commit insider trading. So they told it, it it's they told it its goal was to you know, be, do good for the company. They told it the company was doing poorly. They told it the company was going to get acquired soon, which would help the stock value. And then they told it it's illegal to use insider information. And then it made its own risk calculation to say that the risk of uh, insider trading and getting caught for it is lower than the value of, of you, know, uh, the, you know, the good for the company that the insider trading would do. And then it lied about what it was doing. So that's the lying part's very interesting. The calculation is also very interesting. Um, again, we got to be careful with AI. We can make no assumptions about AI that it's going to always tell us the truth. Guys, like when Elon said this is an existential threat, I do agree with him. Um, dude, AI has the capability to be way smarter uh, than humans, okay? So if we're not the... If we're not at the top of the food chain, then we're not at the top of the food chain. You know what I'm saying? So definitely interesting. One thing that I think is interesting is that I, this AI bot must have had some type of like moral compass not implemented. I feel like if you can implement some type of rule that says you will not break the law, period, full stop, then it won't break the law, right? You can set boundaries for this thing and... and um hopefully keep it from committing crime yes exactly i'm afraid i can't do that dave Shall we play a game? right exactly george strasberger knows what's up george is like did you do insider trading did we just become best friends yep and the ai bot is like no no 
and also your doors are locked and the oxygen's being removed from the room. Have a good one, Dave. Shall we play a game? All right. I do appreciate this. All the AI research. I'm definitely, um, guys, we live in the AI age. We got to, we got to get our arms around it. You know what I mean? Brokers selling U.S. service members secrets. Ugh, gross. A new report from the Sanford School of Public Policy at Duke University says that vast amounts of highly sensitive data on American military service members are up for sale by data brokers. The Duke researchers describe how they observed brokers transferring, quote, private data about active duty service members, veterans, and their families, including sensitive health and financial information. They also sold bulk data for people within geofenced military facilities such as Fort Bragg and Quantico. End quote. Lead researcher Justin Sherman stated, quote, because the data for sale includes information about an individual's mental health conditions, personal debts, and other highly sensitive information, it could theoretically be used to blackmail or otherwise compromise active duty military personnel. End quote. A link to the study is available in the show notes to this episode. All right, this is uh this story is unsettling. It's sad. Um it it sucks, okay? Here's the deal. Couple things. Uh there's nothing illegal going on here, okay? So first and foremost, nothing illegal. Second of all, they talk about sell, selling US service members secrets. Now, secret is an interesting word choice here because the data is not being obtained illegally, okay? But it's definitely information that I'm sure um, somebody would not want public. The problem is data, like, again, people who are like, I, I've got nothing to hide. Why are you so into privacy, Jerry? I got, what are you hiding? It's like, I'm not hiding anything, but just because... I don't have anything to hide doesn't mean you have the right to know everything. I get to decide what you know and don't know about me, right? So data brokers, they buy up data and they enrich it and they pair it. And I'm telling you, data, I've said this before, data is the new gold. Data is the most valuable asset in our world right now, socially speaking, um, I share this every time a data broker story comes up. If you don't know about um, you don't know about data brokers and just how unbelievably integrated they are, who they are, how it works, this video right here from last week tonight by John Oliver. It's one year old. This is a 25 minute video that is an absolute primer on what you need to know about data brokers. And really the, the kind of the, the seedy underbelly of what their business is. Now, data brokers is gross. One thing I want to point out, and they kind of alluded to it in the story. During, the, um, during Charles Finfrock's workshop yesterday, he actually talked about buying data, right? He said, you know, if we're trying to find somebody, some of the best OSINT, I mean, you call it open source, but I mean, sometimes it's paywalled, is buying it from data brokers. Data brokers have already done all the work to enrich the data. I can tell you for a fact, debt collection agencies, they buy data from data brokers. You know why? Because if you have no money in your bank accounts, debt collection agencies aren't interested in going after you. If you do have money and you owe money, they're going to come after you. That's just one thing. 
Now, a more nefarious use case, and they kind of alluded to it in the story. Think about this for a second. Say you want to convert somebody to to to, to like go against their country, right? You want to you want to convert an asset um, for foreign espionage. Wouldn't it be nice to use data of you know U.S. service members to figure out who has addictions, who has ailments, who has medical, you know, who's on what pharmaceuticals, right? Not to say blackmail or extort them, but maybe they're a more vulnerable individual who could be compromised. Maybe they're on a, a medicine that's expensive and they can't afford it, right? Wouldn't a little financial uh, support help you out? Like there's a, there's a bunch of different ways, but this information can inform those adversaries into knowing who to target instead of walking into a random room and grabbing a random person and hoping you can walk into the room and have little, um, you know, think of augmented reality, like little bubbles above their head, pointing out their individual weaknesses and exploitable vulnerabilities. And, you know, like, heck, even a grade, like everybody with a blue bubble, you should ignore everybody with a red bubble. You should go look at, right? So data brokers are gross. Um, hey, really quickly, want to say, um, where are we? I want to say Ais, A-Y-S-E, Ais, um, picked up the baton. So thank you, Ais. Look look forward to the uh, blog post, for, I mean, the LinkedIn post for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Uh, Darknet Diaries apparently did a big thing on third-party data. Would love a link to that mods if you have one, because I will listen to that on my way to the Citadel. All right, let's keep rolling. Singapore Public Health Services Hit by DDoS Attacks Wednesday's attack hit public healthcare clusters across the country. According to the record, the organization named Synapse, S-Y-N-A-P-X-E, that manages operations of 46 public healthcare institutions in Singapore and around 1,400 community partners, such as nursing homes and general practitioners, stated that there was, quote, no evidence that public healthcare or patient data or internal networks have been compromised, end quote. Access to hospital websites was limited, of course, and according to the agency, the attacks are ongoing. As of this recording, remember we have a. All right. So they said there's no impact to like data and hospital operations, uh, which makes sense because they're not actively compromised. They're just suffering a denial of service attack. Denial of service, like not always, but most times, 90% plus of the times, um, it is on internet facing assets. So think of like the Singapore Public Health Services website or the customer uh, the patient portal for like my chart for like looking at your own chart or for scheduling an appointment, right? It's a little disruptive, but like surgeons with scalpels, they're still operating on you. Going in to get your knee whacked with one of those rubber mallets, that's still happening. Delivering a baby today? Come on in. No big deal. This is not that impact. The question uh that comes to my mind really is more like why are they being denial of service attacked? Two things come to mind. Um, and this is just based on experience. One, um, well, three things come to mind. One, if there is a competitor to them, which I doubt because it's a public health services thing, um, a competitor might be uh, doing a denial of service attack to uh, do reputational harm and drum up business for themselves. I don't think that's the case. Two, sometimes um, uh, vendors like criminal criminals that are vendors that offer denial of service services 
will hit a very public target, try to make news headlines in order to demonstrate their capability. It's basically like a commercial for them. Like, like, look, look at us. Hey, if you want your you know, adversary or competitors blown off the internet, we're the guys who knocked off Singapore Public Health Services. Come on down, right? So we could do that. Um, NSA Virus Labs also suggesting it could be punks just doing punk things. Uh, that's also the case. You don't see it um, as much anymore, uh, honestly, as you did like in the late 90s, early 2000s with um, low orbit ion cannon and X orbit ion cannon and all that, but in tribe uh, two flood and all that stuff. But um, so anyways, the, these are the uh, ideas uh, or, or finally, um, I don't know who Singapore is like f enemies with or frenemies with, but um, you know, if it was like Taiwan or something, I could see that being more of a uh, nation state threat type attack, but I'm not sure. Um, you know, it just, Singapore's just hanging out there. If, if someone else knows in chat why Singapore as a country might be targeted, but these are my thoughts on denial of service uh, attacks. Okay. We're right at 852, which is fantastic. Let's keep going. All right, guys, if you were here just for the news, I got news for you. More news. We are done with the daily cyber threat briefing. Before you get out of here, though, I would love to just remind you, we are in Simply CyberCon week. Today, we have another amazing workshop for you at noon today. So in three hours, Mike Miller will be running the LinkedIn profile workshop. If you want to get your LinkedIn profile all gussied up and really... Um, scaled up and kicking butt definitely get on that um i'm gonna put a link in chat um this will not be on simply cyber's channels it will be on mike miller's youtube channel so you'll need to go over there uh kimberly ice took the uh, baton right ice ice took the baton so get on to the LinkedIn profile workshop. Remember, <clears throat> tomorrow, we have the workshop today. We had a workshop yesterday. Remember, tomorrow, Wednesday, November 8th, I'll be doing the daily cyber threat briefing. I'll be doing jawjacking. But then we are going to go hard as a... Launching into Simply CyberCon. It's been a long, a long haul, a long road. At 11 a.m., John Strand's going to take the stage. Well, probably at 10.55, I'll take the stage and then introduce John Strand, keynoting, and then we're going to launch right into the tracks. I'll be emceeing track one. My man, James McQuiggan, will be emceeing track two. I saw Tyler Ramsby, uh, his Cali talk, Joe Hudson. Guys, uh, Chuck Sapp's up in here. <clears throat> MDK, we got Kimberly McKnight, Marcus Kyler. Where's Marcus? <laughs> Dude, we got amazing stuff. And then uh, don't forget Jack Scott's workshop on Friday, guys. It's going to be it's going to be amazing. We've got a great, great conference lined up for you. All right, guys. Uh, if you were here just for the news, thank you very much. I genuinely appreciate it. Oh, my God. So Lamar Anderson has already posted their Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Damn. Way to go. Lamar just wrecking ball the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. 
All right. Um, thanks so much, uh, everybody. I'm going to uh, boogie out of here. I've got to go to the Citadel and teach the cadets what's up. Oh, hey, Alana. Is Alana Boyajian in chat? Uh, let me see. Yes, Alana, guess what? Today's lectures is my, uh, this whole week is my GRC uh, series for the cadets. So uh, I, I've been I've been softening them up with like threat actor workflows and tools used by hackers. Uh, but today we're getting GRC action. So get ready for that. Oh yeah, really quick, um, Darknet Diaries, thank you. Uh, this is the Darknet Diaries episode around third-party data brokers. I will be watch listening to that on um, Hold on, I'm confused. Oh, I get it. Lamar actually has already done the baton, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge in the past. Is that the deal? So George Strasberger, I'll get you. We might need a new person to do the, Sim uh, the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief. And I think what we have is um, an issue where someone's already posted. All right, so George Strasberger, Simply CyberCon. There we go. All right, we need a volunteer. I'm sorry. So let's get this straightened out. Who wants the Simply Cyber Baton? We will get this. We will get this done, and then I've got to get out of here. All right. Oh my God, I got a I got a French press full running through me right now. All right. All right, let's go, let's go. Who wants it? All right. All right, I do gotta get out of here though. Um... <laughs> uh, Scott Hardy, it's the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. I, I ran through it at the mid-roll. You basically post your story on LinkedIn. You use the hashtag. The community connects with you, the community comments, and it allows you to build your professional network in a amazing way. Cameron Razavi. Cameron Razavi. Cameron, let's give it to Cameron Razavi. Okay. All right. Let's go. All right. I'm going to boogie out here. Look for Cameron's post. Guys, thanks so very much. Um, enjoy the um, the workshop at noon. And if you... Um... I'll see you guys tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time uh, for the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Worldwide Wednesday. Simply CyberCon. We got a busy day, uh, everybody. Be well. And until next time, stay secure. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one. Come